Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. I want to start off this episode by revisiting a few things that I mentioned in the last episode, and then I have a bunch of new stuff, of course, to bring up here. One of the things, I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode when I was discussing some of the comments that Chris Ann Hall had made regarding the WHO documents and how, again, she doesn't think that it's real and who cares about the WHO and it's unconstitutional and all that other stuff. Um, y- you should care about this. This, this certainly matters. W- when, when the enemy writes something down, you should read it because if you've studied anything about American history outside of what propaganda exists within K-12 textbooks and university textbooks, you fully understand that America is the prize. America is the prize and the throne that the enemy wants. The enemy's already here. They're in our government. They're, they're local, state, federal, all the corporations, you name it. They're already here. They're already winning. And again, it just begs the question, um, where, where were people over the last two years? You know, have people not paid attention to what's gone on over the last two years and all of the rights that have been violated by countless individuals, whether they complied or not? I got a phrase wrong in, in the last episode when I was saying that she was talking about uh, fear propaganda. It wasn't fear propaganda. It was panic propaganda was the word that she, she used on Jesse James's podcast. Um, in either, in either case, I think that it's remarkably unproductive to just make fun of people, but it's productive to highlight inconsistencies with language and inconsistencies with people's stances on things. Because my stance has always been that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And that's a problem. Um... Christine Hall, I listened to one of her podcast episodes, keeping in mind, again, full disclosure here, I've never listened to her podcast ever. Uh, The only time I've ever heard her was on the Quite Frankly podcast as a guest. And to be honest, I was never much of a fan of hers. Uh, I don't like her tone. She's very condescending. It sounds to me like nobody, she talks as if no one knows more than Christine Hall about everything. And yet, again, in sort of the hypocritical nature of, of her tone sometimes, she'll, she'll make these comments where she'll say, well, you don't need a law degree in order to understand the law. She's right about that. You don't. But then at the exact same time as I listened to in, in her most recent podcast, I believe, from either this previous Tuesday or the Tuesday before, whenever she, whenever she taped it, uh, she was remarkably angry throughout at the people who were questioning and concerned about the WHO documents because it has nothing to do with complete sovereign control over the United States. It has to do with health control. And if you can control a person's health or access to health, then you can control everything else. You know, they, they, they don't have to take over the whole chessboard. They just have to take the right places on the chessboard. And so what she said in her podcast, I thought was remarkably insulting. She, she made 
a number of errors and, and again, was contradicting herself line after line in real time. She went so far as to make fun of people who have podcasts, who are pushing forth this information to people and encouraging them to think and encouraging them to look up this kind of information. And she referred to them as infiltrators, as conservative infiltrators. And then she commenced to make fun of people's education and that a lack of education has a lot to do with it and that anybody can have a podcast and just because anybody can have a podcast and a lack of education combined with that uh, where, where a person doesn't have a job where they're qualified to talk about particular issues that 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 creates um, falsehoods and and unnecessary panic and this that and the other i thought that was remarkably insulting because what she's doing is she's essentially making fun of anyone who thinks for themselves and then shares those thoughts with other people that's a problem um Again, no one knows more than Chris Ann Hall, and you have to understand that about her tone. And when you listen to her, uh, at least that's, that's how she rubs off on me. So I want to make a couple of things abundantly clear. All of the individuals talking about this WHO document and bringing it up with concern should be concerned, and I don't think for a minute that those people are conservative, quote-unquote, infiltrators. I don't think that those are bad people. I think that those are thinking people. They've read the actual documents themselves. I'm going to read from it later on today in this episode. And it's important to do that. It's, you know, it's important to read people's interpretations of documents, but it's, it's also important to read directly from them, which is something that Chris Ann Hall did not do. She, she brought up someone else's interpretation uh, it was an article that someone else had written about the document, and she just said, who cares? It doesn't matter. It has no constitutional standing here, X, Y, Z. To, again, my question to her would be, where have you been over the last two years? Because, again, if you squeeze people from a health standpoint, you squeeze everything else. Look at what every single business did. By forcing the masks, screaming at uh, at uh, patrons who would show up, and and just wanted to shop and and buy buy food for themselves and their families, only to be screamed and yelled at uh, by the masked goons who were who were wearing these masks and told to wear these masks by their corporate you know their co corporate overlords so to speak, simply because the WHO and the CDC said so. You see, the globalist plan here is to get us away as Americans from saying our health department says, or the governor says, or the CDC says, or the president says, to ultimately saying things like the WHO says. That's it. The World Economic Forum says. That's it. Once People at the local level, elected officials or not, start referencing those people as the be-all, end-all, those globalist entities as being the be-all, end-all decision makers, then we're screwed. And I'll tell you something, that's already happened. 
anyone who's ever listened to an entire school board meeting or attended one in person, you have school board members, school board presidents, superintendents, all of them, any of them, openly saying and referencing the CDC, the World Health Organization, consistently. They were using them and those entities as their decision-making basis, not the Constitution. (laughs) They wiped their backsides with the Constitution because as far as they're concerned, it doesn't exist. Well, if elected policy people, elected, elected officials, ignore the Constitution, and their lawyers ignore the Constitution, which they do because endless laws have been broken, well, then again, it begs the question, does the Constitution exist? And one of the things that I've said, too, is that, and I'll say it here, is that much like with a constitutional lawyer, if you were to tell them that the Constitution does not exist, or is only applied in certain instances at certain times with certain people to benefit them and not others, they would panic. And they would disagree with that probably, but but they would panic because, again, their entire profession, education, and way of life and mission would go up in flames under the, you know, under their harnessed illusion that the Constitution exists for everybody equally all of the time. It does not. Again, pay attention to the last two years. You can go back as far as you want, by the way. You can go back to the founding of the country. There were countless things that were signed into law that were unconstitutional, and people knew it, but they did it anyway. And again, the last two years, I mean, even the Patriot Act after, after 9-11 and that charade, that was designed to take our rights away. It continuously gets re-upped and re-signed into law. It's unconstitutional. So where's your constitution now? I mean, seriously, where is it? But when you do that with someone who is a constitutional lawyer and you and you question the existence or presence or weight of the Constitution, it's no different than looking at a virologist and saying viruses aren't real. Once a virologist comes to grips with the fact that viruses are not real and that the only thing that exists are human cells and poison, And they're not isolating viruses, they're just isolating poisons inside of the body. The entire virologist's career goes up in flames because that's a level of lying that they can't can't grasp. Chris Ann Hall relies on the Constitution and its existence for all of her decision-making, which blinds her from seeing the larger, more nefarious goals of the globalists and the powers that be. Those people hate the Constitution, and as I said in the last episode, if you have enough people who hate the Constitution and can defend hating it legally, and, and you, you buy off all the right people, and buying off people is very common, um, then, then you're never going to lose. Those people will never lose. Yes, the public can apply pressure, but even she was contradicting herself on a constant basis about claiming to have solutions, and yet then she was saying her solutions aren't solutions. She would say, don't bother emailing your congressman, but then call your congressman. Don't bother uh, trying to fix something at the local level, but 
run for office and try to fix something at the local level. Well, well, which is it then? So here, here's the thing, and I, again, I want to make this abundantly clear. It would well, I'll, I'll say this first before I wrap this up, because I don't want to talk about her anymore. And and I'm I'm I've, like I said, I've, I've never really been a fan, but I'm uh, I, I've heard enough. I've heard enough from her. Um, I don't think that letters after a person's name and the formal education, quote unquote, that a person has qualifies them, uh, to, you know, to be any expert. Anybody can read if you can read. Anybody can learn anything if you just have the motivation to do so and you're interested in it and you're, you're curious and you want to do that. That's the only thing that really matters. You know, being a lawyer, being a doctor, um, all of that stuff. If the last two years have shown us nothing, it's the people with the, the letters after their names are simply following orders in many cases or they're stuck in their own head about what they perceive to be true. And again, not to reference this again, but I'm, I'm going to. If a person wants to go back and watch that school board meeting where I spoke and warn people about these death shots and what they were going to do to people, medically speaking, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor. Don't have to be. I don't have to be. But if you want to watch something that's interesting in that video, watch the man who is sitting in front of me on the other side of the microphone in the blue shirt wearing a mask. He's a pediatrician in the town where I live. He went from turning around and looking at me face to face to then turning his back again and slumping down with his head hanging down with every single fact that I was dropping on top of that entire crowd. Because his, his verbal, nonverbal communication rather, was giving him away as not knowing as much as I knew about the subject, and yet he was he, he's a pediatrician in town. So there is this thing that happens with people, and I'm probably not free from it either. I try not I try very hard not to be. I mean, if I don't know something, I'll flat out tell you I don't know it. I don't know. But there is a thing where when an individual is confronted with their own perceived knowledge on a subject. And that comes into question somewhere along the way. They become very, very defensive, angry, as a matter of fact. And then they start name-calling, and then they become overly emotional, and they, and they aren't listening to the words that are coming out of their mouth. And then they just sound irrational. And, and that, again... Uh, is is just is very odd. So, and it's a common behavior, frankly. But I just wanted to make that abundantly clear that I support everybody and anybody who is interested in thinking for themselves and reading for themselves and questioning everything. Um, even Chris Ann Hall seemed to backtrack a little bit when she was on the Quite Frankly podcast last, and, and she, again, contradicted herself from previous statements she had made very recently, where she said all of these uneducated people having podcasts is a problem because they're infiltrators. Well, then she gets on the Quite Frankly podcast, and she says, people who have podcasts and all of this information out there is a good thing. <laughs> again, which is it? Which is it? 
So talking out of two sides of your mouth on a, on a singular issue is, um, is, uh, it's very telling. It was, it, it just, I don't know. It hits some people like a freight train. I can pick up on it pretty quickly. Uh, I hope other people can, but again, you know, I don't spend a lot of time listening to her because I just don't. Uh, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather think for myself. I'd rather try to figure out things for myself and, and do my best to try to see the bigger picture. Because again, everything that's happened this entire time, yes, has had to do with mass compliance, but deeper than that, it has to do with mass brainwashing. Again, you've, you, we, we've had K-12 schools, universities, businesses, local businesses, big, small, doesn't matter, you know, massive corporations right down to the mom and pop store, all believe this lie. And the television is the megahorn, bullhorn, that is pushing these lies. And the media and everybody, every talking head on TV. So it's not easy to wade through those waters and figure out what the truth is. But turning it off helps. Not watching television helps. Not listening to these people certainly helps. And opening up your mind to its own thoughts and trying to figure out, again, where the truth really exists. You know, again, Chris Ann Hall has no problem telling people that mass noncompliance is the only way forward, and yet her and her husband flew around the country on airplanes wearing masks all of the time. So where's the where's the mass not where where is the noncompliance then? What what happened to practice what you preach? Um yeah. I don't know. I think it's disappointing. I think that that kind of stuff is just disappointing. But again, I think she's wrestling with the fact that maybe the con- deeper down, whether she knows it or not, I think she's wrestling with the fact that the Constitution sounds nice, but it probably doesn't exist. Or like I said in the past, if it exists, it exists for some, not everybody, which wasn't the point of the Constitution, which means if that's not the point, well, then what do we have? So. That's that's my two cents on that. Uh yeah. I'm I'm done I'm done talking about her. I I won't bring her up anymore. Uh that's that's basically it. I just don't like hearing other people insult good Americans who are doing what they feel is right to bring information to other Americans. That's I can't listen to that. Because again, she'd be calling me an infiltrator. She'd be calling the likes of Stu Peters, who has a much larger platform, clearly an infiltrator. Maria Z, an infiltrator. Um, she decided to make fun of Steve Bannon and Michelle Bachman. You know those kinds of stuff. I, you know, it's just apparently they're all infiltrators then, and the only one who isn't is Chris Ann Hall. I, I don't, I don't get it. But. Either way, that's that's that. So, moving on here. And again, it's not panic propaganda. It's just piecing things together here. This comes from truth11.com. It says, quote, and I, th- I think the title's a bit off here, but it does say, After vaccines or killed so many, U.S. airlines have run out of pilots and are now canceling flights. Yeah. Again, the writing was on the wall for this one. 
uh, and this is one of those things that's just continuing to happen. This comes from Natural News, ultimately, by Ethan Huff. It says, the airline industry has been left in shambles due to the Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine mandates, which killed off or forced into early retirement so many pilots that were no longer enough, where there were no longer enough of them left to fly all the airplanes. The corporate-controlled media, i.e. CNBC, claims that the pandemic is responsible for these losses, but we know better than that. Many transportation workers walked off the job and never returned because of the mandates, and that is a fact. Now major airlines are having trouble finding enough staff to keep planes in the air. The result is widespread cancellations of flights and looming prospect of potential bankruptcies. As a possible solution, at least one lawmaker is considering legislation that would raise the federally mandated retirement age for airline pilots from 65 to 67 or higher. But this will but will this fix the problem and is it even safe? See, <laughs> that, that paragraph is incredible. That's incredible. They're not focusing on the actual problem itself. They're just saying, we're, we're just going to make it impossible for you to retire uh, by, by raising the age of retirement. Instead of actually addressing the problem by saying, no more jabs, no more masks ever again, we need to start training more pilots immediately now and make sure that there are no jabs in these individuals. We need to start screening for jabless people or screen for jabbed people, and then weed them out and don't let them in. But they're not going to do that. Because again, that's not the, that's not the point. If you can destroy transportation in the United States of America, everything stops. Everything. Nothing moves anymore. Again, the, tr the truckers in Canada, look at what happened with all of that. Countless people out of jobs because they wouldn't take the shots. The ones still driving around are double, triple jabbed. That can't last forever. They can't keep doing this and expect these businesses to survive, but people have to come to that realization that having these businesses survive is not the point. That's not their plan. Their plan is to destroy everything. And they're getting away with it step by step. Because local, state, federal politicians are doing nothing. It's incredible. This is incredible. It says Delta drops four-year degree requirement from pilot hiring rules. See? There you go. They're changing the requirements to even be a pilot by dumbing down their education and saying, well, dumbing down's a bit harsh, but they're saying that you don't have to have the previous requirements that we once had in place. Who's warned you about that before? I think I did regarding education. You know, they, 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 they've been doing this with substitute teachers forever. They're going to do it with just basic school teachers. They're going to start saying you don't need a four-year diploma in a subject area or in education in order to be a teacher. Eventually, they're just going to try to keep it on life support by having individuals show up who have a pulse. That's it. The article continues here. God, this is just awful. It, it continues. It says, earlier in the year, Delta Airlines made waves after it dropped a hiring rule that required all pilots to hold at least a four-year degree. Now a college education 
is no longer a prerequisite for flying planes at Delta. Frontier Airlines is taking a different approach by trying to source new pilots from outside America's borders. That'll be good. Including from Australia. Well, they're jabbed too. And American Airlines has decided to try and sell bus tickets for shorter flight routes. They're addressing all the wrong things all the wrong way. It's incredible. I'm going to keep reading this to the end. This is incredible. Uh, it says, quote, The pilot shortages for the, indi- uh, for the industry is real, and most airlines are simply not going to be able to realize their capacity plans because they simply aren't, there simply aren't enough pilots, at least not for the next five-plus years, said United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby during his company's recent quarterly earnings call in April. According to Kirby, there are now about 150 airplanes grounded from United's various regional airline partners because there are not enough pilots available to fly them. While the jabs are partially to blame, it is also true that the pandemic restrictions halted pilot hiring by interfering with the training and licensing pipeline. Yeah. Yep. It says, normally there would be a steady stream of new recruits moving through the system to take the place of retirees, but for the past two years, that process has been greatly disrupted by government's lockdowns and mandates. See, every company here has gone along with all of these illegal moves that have destroyed people. Every company. So is it the Constitution that runs runs our country, or is it companies? It says, quote, I feel like I walked away from I walked away at the pinnacle, says one former captain from a major airline who took an early retirement package in 2020 at the start of the pandemic when everyone was told to stay home. At that time, almost nobody was traveling, so it only made sense to send workers packing. Now, however, the plan is backfiring in a major way as air carriers struggle. As air carriers struggle to meet demand. My apologies there. It says, quote, uh, The airline industry is now desperately trying to train and hire pilots as quickly as possible. Because hiring people quickly always works out. It says, <laughs> my God. It says, but it probably will not be enough to fix the problem. The pilot shortage could last years or maybe even forever if the world continues its current collapse trajectory. According to Kit Darby, a pilot pay consultant and retired United captain, Major U.S. airlines are hoping to hire about 12,000 pilots just this year alone, which is about double the previous record in annual hiring. We never fathomed attrition levels like this, says Jonathan Orstein, the CEO of Mesa, uh, Mesa Air Group, a regional partner of American and United that lost $43 million just last quarter due to flight cuts. Quote, if we don't fly our airplanes, we lose money. Unquote. As the world crumbles all around us, blah, 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 collapse.news. Okay. Yeah, that's it. This is, how, this is how you wreck not just business, but transportation. This is how you wreck supply lines. This is how, this is how you dumb down society. You, you make all of these. <laughs> it's just, it's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. Wow. Step by step, you know, just taking a hatchet to that giant, giant oak tree, one chip at a time, 
and no one seems to be stopping this. Again, the emails, the phone calls to politicians, as I've said before, you know, Ron Johnson was the only one who spoke out about the jabs. And he's not even talking about that anymore. And he was the only one. No one else was bringing up any of this. It's inev- This kind of collapse is inevitable unless there is a house cleaning. A total arrest and house cleaning of everybody. There's no other way here. I don't see another way. Yes, we cannot comply. And I agree with that. But even our non-compliance leads to the, to the destruction of these companies. If people, I mean, there's enough brainwashed people who are jabbed and masked and doing what they're doing to continue to engage in these transportation methods, regardless of what the companies decide or not. Many of them, of course, are folding because there's many of us who, who are saying we're not going to do that. The moment that they started saying masks on airplanes, I said, I'm done flying on airplanes like that. I did it that fast. I said it that quickly. Oh, that store is requiring a mask? Well, I'm never going into that store then. Oh, that restaurant wants us to wear a mask from the front door to the back table? I don't think so. You know, those businesses and those people who are in those positions apparently didn't figure out that this was part of their own demise, that they were actually participating in their own demise, much like you've heard me say regarding American education. They're shooting themselves in, the own, in their own foot by standing in their own rowboat in the middle of the ocean as they continue to blast holes in their own boat. But they don't think that they are. It's, it's remarkable. Um, there are two other stories here regarding jab-related stuff, although it's all connected, as you would expect. And uh, as I brought up months ago, they need more pandemics and... The smallpox stuff is starting to come out again. The Marburg stuff is starting to come out again, with, of course, the Marburg being discussed even by Dr. Jane Ruby as not being a big deal. Of course, they're calling it a virus, no such thing. Um, but, yeah, the, the smallpox thing is gnarly. I've seen pictures of that, and it is just, it's jacked up. But uh, time is going to tell on this. And again, part of the WHO documents, too, it's been part of that funding, has to do with carrying out more of the um, Event 201 kind of things, those, those staged pandemic scenarios. Uh, you know, well, this, you know, a new virus has shown up, quote unquote, so now we need to figure out exactly what to do about it and, and who's going to close down and how are we going to control the people and society for the betterment of everybody. I mean, whatever comes out on the television is is probably going to be either a lie or it's going to be very, very real. There's really not going to be any middle ground. Again, there was no pandemic here over the last two years. The only pandemic was stupidity and illegality. But keep an eye, again, on, on these uh, planned scenarios and what these people are saying. We just have to keep paying attention to it and we can't just ignore it. Uh, yeah. So on to this Breitbart article, rather. Um, and even I think Breitbart, you know, is, is a bit controlled opposition because they don't spend a lot of time talking about voter fraud and 
and the jabs. I mean, they really don't. But there is this article I wanted to go through, and it's titled, New York Times Baffled by Seismic Hit to Public School Enrollment. I, I, I love this. I think it's fantastic. You've heard me say that a million times. I think it's fantastic, and I think it's absolutely hilarious that outlets like the New York Times don't seem to understand what's going on in this country. But of course, as you know, New York Times is interested in destroying this country. This is by John Nolte, and it says, quote, No overriding explanation has emerged yet for the widespread drop-off, unquote, in public school enrollment, the far-left New York Times laughably writes. Gee, whatever could have caused that? Did anything unusual happen in the last two years? Asked Hot Air's Ed Morrissey. Yeah, a real head-scratcher. Why would parents not want to send their kids to public schools? Anyone have any ideas? Baffling. Real mystery. Is Sherlock Holmes available? <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It says the following, quote, The Times does suggest that maybe perhaps possibly the plunge in national public school enrollment has something to do with these government-run debacles closing down for months and months for no valid scientific reason. Unless, of course, you consider teachers zooming from Aruba a valid scientific reason. Or maybe perhaps possibly it was forcing little kids to wear masks for no valid scientific reason. Hey, I've got a reason the Times didn't consider. Maybe, perhaps, possibly, it has to do with the legions of predators and groomers in public schools, all the innocence-shattering gay porn and drag queens, and the transsexual voodoo. You think maybe, perhaps, possibly, decent parents find it demonic that government-run schools teach boys how to give other boys hummers, but can't teach them how to read. It's, it's true. It's true. It's in all those books. Well, not all of them, but it's certainly in plenty of them. It says the lengths to which the New York Times will go to humiliate itself is not uh, to not upset its brittle, neurotic, snowflake subscriber base with some obvious truth is really something. The good news is that America's vile public school system is finally feeling some pain for its indefensible abuse of children. Not enough pain. This depraved institution and the public unions that turned it depraved will never feel enough pain, but there is at least some pain. Let me inject something here real quick, and then I'm just going to read uh, just a couple of more paragraphs from this, or one more paragraph. The hypocrisy with me personally would be if I were to claim that public schools could be saved. Okay, if, if, if I had this podcast and I was blowing off all of this evidence, all of it, all of the national, state, local, and international evidence regarding the control of children, the propaganda, the brainwashing, the indoctrination, whatever you'd like to call it, if I was ignoring all of that and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not happening, everybody, none of that's happening you know, basically like the New York Times, and just blowing it off and trying to find some other excuse as to why something was happening. Or even going so far as to saying something like, American K-12 schools aren't being destroyed and they don't need to be, they don't need to be uh, rescued because they're doing just fine. American K-12 schools will always exist. Um, that's just the way that it will always be. If I was to say that, you wouldn't take me very seriously. 
And frankly, I couldn't take myself very seriously because again, regarding this subject, the writing is all over the wall. The evidence is everywhere that the collapse is already in motion. And there isn't, you can't prop this up with two by fours. This is, this is going to fall down. Um, it, here's the last paragraph I'll read. It says, per the, per the Times, New York was hit with a net loss of 50,000 students. Michigan was down 50,000. Los Angeles suffered a loss of 43,000 students. Chicago lost 25,000 students. And even the suburbs of Kansas City lost 1,000 of its 33,000 students. Meanwhile, it says the state of Florida saw a jump in public school enrollment. Gee, I wonder why. Well, did they? Did they really? See, I would even question that. See, Florida closed down too. And this too is something that I, I'm going to bring her up again. My apologies. But this is something I don't think Chris Ann Hall understands is that the, the legal motions, once they get put in play, take forever to finally come back around, even in an attempt to see any real justice. A span of two years has gone on here, and just now, there are people finally suing employers. There are people suing massive businesses. Are they going to win? I don't know. I don't know about that. Time will tell on, 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 on that particular issue. But once you roll out a totalitarian measure like what we've seen over the last two years, if it takes two years, for for there to be any kind of pushback, that's two years too long. That's just two years too long. Because as I said in the last episode, the number of people that have died over the last two years, even by their own hand, is astonishing. It's incredible. People lost everything that they had. They lost their businesses, their savings, their their retirement, their 401k. And then they went home and they said, I have nothing. And then they did whatever it is that they did. Some people were able to pick themselves up and and rebuild. A lot of people couldn't. But this business, you know, it's like everybody has a short memory or amnesia. Uh, Florida closed down, for the most part, very early on. I mean, they did. And... There were lots of stores where, where, again, you couldn't enter without a mask. That happened. So this sort of wide brushstroke of saying, well, Florida's always been open and free. No, that's not true. That's not true. South Dakota? Yeah, sure, same thing. But I'm sure there were small businesses and corporations in South Dakota that, that uh, forced masks on people and probably asked their employees to get the jabs and maybe fired the occasional person if they refused. I'm sure that that happened even in South Dakota. So 48, 49, uh, you know, 47 states complied right out of the gate with all of this, in particular in education. It's, you know, this is alarming. It's just alarming. So what happens the next time? You know, that's going to be the question going forward, I think. What is going to happen the next time? Because there's going to be a next time. Now, here is the thread, the Twitter thread, about the WHO document that I wanted to read. I thought it was very succinct, 
Um, it's it's uh, it's a the WHO document is fifty six pages, and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get into this thread again. This is a person's interpretation of of what uh, of what is going on. This comes from Twitter from at critical sway. It says in a few days, officials from the country are meeting to discuss a pandemic treaty, quote-unquote. A draft proposal sits before the WHO in Geneva. 56 pages of acronyms, obscure references, and nonsense. I spent 12 hours translating it into English so you can understand it in 12 minutes. It continues. It says the official title gives you the idea about the tone of the whole report. You can see why most commentators have adopted the term pandemic treaty, quote-unquote. For the rest of this thread, I'll call it the zero draft. It is actually titled the zero draft. So the front page of the document, which is dated May 3rd, uh, is titled at the top here, World Health Organization, Ninth Meeting of the Working Group on Strengthening WHO Preparedness and Response to Health Emergencies. Geneva. Uh, 4 to 6 of May 2022, and it's titled Zero Draft Report for the Working Group on Strengthening WHO Preparedness in Response to Health Emergencies to the 75th World Health Assembly. Critical Sway then says, so what's the deal? And why are the people worried about this thing? It's a proposal right now, but it's a scary proposal. If enacted, the WHO will have far greater authority in relation to your health. See, this is where Chrisanne refused to read the document and got it wrong. It doesn't have to do with total sovereignty. It has to do with your health, health measures. And let me interrupt real quick and and get into this too. Local health departments at the county level had complete and utter control over school boards because school boards forfeited their own rights as elected officials and just submitted to what county health officials wanted wanted them to do or recommended that was the word that was used that the county recommends county health departments recommend that you do this they went well they recommend it so we need to do it because well they're the doctors and we're not doctors but we need to do it even though that the school board members and school board presidents all over the nation were consistently saying, wear a mask, take the jabs, it's the only way to protect yourselves from quote-unquote coronavirus. So on one hand, or one side out of their mouth, they have no problem uh, saying that they're not a doctor and that they're deferring to doctors. And then on the other hand, they have no problem saying, well, we want you to take all of these things that a doctor would tell you to take. It's incredible. I mean, that's how easy the control is. We're not, we're not electing officials anymore to represent us and represent the Constitution. That's not, that's not what's going on here. What we're, what we're electing is whether or not people agree with us or not. <laughs> and, and that's it. That's it. Does this person agree with me? Yes or no? It's so. It's so dumb and frightening that uh, it can't possibly have a, have a great ending here. But who knows? We'll, we'll see who actually steps up and intervenes in this process. History would tell us nobody is going to stand up and intervene. It's going to have to be us that does it by, again, simply not complying. But even, 
for many, that's going to be next to impossible. Uh, let's see. It says, particularly if there is a pandemic, the WHO, of course, will have greater authority. And as we know, they're going to make one up. And then it says, and they will inevitably declare one. He's right. It then says, this threat is not based on hype, speculation, or conspiracy theory. I wish people would stop saying that. I wish they'd stop saying conspiracy theory. Conspiracies are real. Theories are real. Conspiracy theories are real. That, you know, they are. That's what the words mean. Uh, anyway, it says, this is my assessment of the original Zero Draft published by the WHO and sourced from their website. The document contains 137 recommended proposals that fit broadly into 10 categories. And here are the 10 categories. Number one, political leadership. See, they need the right people in the right places. Number two, cooperation and collaboration. That means if you don't comply, you're fired. Number three, WHO at the center. Again, they will control things. They will make the decision-making. And as I said earlier in the episode, the plan is to get people from saying, our county health department says, or the CDC says, or the federal government says, to ultimately getting people to say, this global organization says. Because that's the new world order. That's the one world government. Number four, financing. Yes, bleeding everybody dry to fund the lie. Number five, sustainability of COVID-19 innovative mechanisms, jabs. Six, global surveillance. They're telling you they're going to surveil you. Eight, and by you, I mean us, me too. Seven, I'm sorry, seven. Strengthening the IHR, International Health Regulations. That means travel. You can't move unless you've done this, that, or the other. Number eight, the Universal Health and Preparedness Review Pilot. That sounds interesting, does it not? It means, I think, uh, more, more planned out scenarios, like Event 201, same kind of thing. Number nine, travel measures. They just flat out tell you, travel. And number 10, their favorite word, all by itself, equity. See, it's not equality, it's control. If you don't comply, we get rid of you. It continues from critical sway here, high level. He says the plan is to increase power and funding for the WHO. It would solidify the WHO as the directing and coordinating authority on international health. You can make your own assessment of the WHO's track record and whether you trust them to have that role. Just a little icebreaker. He says, I did a quick search and counted how many times certain words appeared in the zero draft. Vaccine, vaccines, and vaccination showed up 33 times. The word surveillance showed up 30 times. The word misinformation showed up seven times and the word privacy showed up five times. He says that should give you a general vibe of the thing. Let's return to those 10 categories now. We'll work through them in order. The proposal assigns responsibility for each action to one or more of three parties. Member states, countries. Number two, the World Health Organization. And number three, non-state actors, other stakeholders, which would again be corporations. 
That's, that's the one world government. Uh, no room for the Constitution there. It says political leadership. More funding for the WHO, regular simulation exercises, and non-state actors to help fight disinformation and use their considerable data to help the WHO. Again, corporations are keeping their own data too, and they're going to be sharing this data with, again, their own employees and other corporations, and then, of course, they're all working together to just continue to control people. He continues under the category of cooperation and collaboration. He says, more research to inform and expand public health and social measures during pandemics. More support for the WHO Research and Development Blueprint. And then he says, read Accelerated Vaccine and Diagnostic Development. And there's a R&D blueprint in COVID-19 where they say as part of the WHO's response, the R&D blueprint was activated to accelerate diagnostics, vaccines, and therapeutics for this novel coronavirus. The blueprint aims to improve coordination between scientists and global health professionals. That's corruption. Uh, WHO at the center. The WHO to act as the directing and coordinating authority on international health. The WHO to depoliticize recruitment, especially at senior levels, and focus on merit and competency. That means, again, agree with them or else. And he then says they should be uh, they should be doing that already. No, and then in the financing section, member states to give WHO more money, more investment to support the development of innovative vaccines and therapeutics, and more transparency in relation to funding. Then he says, I mean that's good, but this is pretty transparent and alarming. And he shows a chart which I put on Gab the other day, which is the top ten contributors to the WHO. The top three are Germany with the most, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the United States of America. And then it goes all the way down. United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, European Commission, uh, the Gavi Alliance, Japan, Canada, so on and so on and so on, all the way down. Uh, under the category of sustainability for COVID-19 innovative mechanisms, it's a, he, he says, temporary, quote-unquote, initiatives developed as a response to COVID-19 made permanent and expanding their focus. Examples include the ACT, A-C-T, Accelerator. See image below, broadening to other diseases like Disease X. And then there's a section here that he's highlighted that says, the access to COVID-19 tools, A-C-T, Accelerator, is a groundbreaking global uh, global collaboration to accelerate development, production, and equitable access to COVID-19 tests, treatments, and vaccines, all of which, of course, don't work. It says, launched in the end of April of 2020 uh, at an event hosted by the Director General on the World Health Organization, the President of France, the President of the European Commission, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The Access to COVID-19 Tools, ACT Accelerator, brings together governments, scientists, businesses, civil society, civil society, not us, not the people that are the resistors in this whole thing, but those that are complying. That's what they mean by civil society. And philanthropists and global health organizations, there's the word global again, name them all, uh, including the World Bank, 
Following the ACT Accelerator launch, UNICEF and FAO, P-A-H-O, became delivery patterns, uh, partners rather, for COVAX, the, vaccine, the vaccine's pillar. Uh, it's, uh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It says global surveillance is the next category here. Implementation of a One Health approach to reduce risks posed by emerging diseases of zoonotic origin. He then says a zoonotic disease is an, infe- an infectious disease that is transmitted between species from animals to humans or from humans to animals. Wow. They're going to push that one again. The old bat thing, the frog stuff. Uh, good God. Monkey pox, uh, bird flu, Zika. What was, the, what was the one with the mosquitoes? What was that again? I forget. Uh, terrible. It could be Zika, for all I know. It continues, uh, strengthening the international health regulations. He summarizes that by saying, more capacity for genomic testing, development of plans for emergency preparedness, surveillance, and response, and development for national focus points, NFPs, with sufficient authority in each country, including us. The WHO to guide NFPs on best practices and conduct regular targeting training. Development of travel and trade re- trade regulations, and more sharing of public health data and information with the WHO. Then he says increased capacity for proactive countermeasures against misinformation and social media attacks. They also have built in stronger approaches to information and infodemic management, which means censorship. If you have never heard of infodemic before, That's because it is a ridiculous term made up by the WHO. And I'm going to read their definition. It says this, An infodemic is too much information, including false or misleading information in digital and physical environments during a disease outbreak. It causes confusion and risk-taking behaviors that that can harm health. It also leads to mistrust in health authorities and undermines the public health response. An infodemic can intensify or lengthen outbreaks when people are unsure about when they need to well, on what they need to do to protect their health and the health of people around them. This is incredible. This is incredible. They're telling us that we are wrong. That if you're an individual thinker, then you're wrong. It says with growing digitization and expansion of social media and internet use, information can spread more rapidly. This can help to more quickly fill information voids, but can also amplify harmful messages. Infodemic management is a a systematic use of risk and evidence-based analysis and approaches to manage the infodemic and and reduce its impact on health behaviors during health emergencies. Well, there you go. Complete and utter censorship. Do what they say. You're not allowed to have another opinion. And again, this is already played out. Anybody who walked into a doctor's office and didn't wear a mask or, or refused to do so, what were you met with? You were met with a barrage of nurses, security guards, and XYZ who would not let you take another step in the building if you didn't wear a mask. Even if you showed them all of the papers, all of the directions, all of it. See, here, here's one of the things that I think they're going to do next, and they've already done this with the mask wearing. 
you'll notice that there are less and less boxes and bags of those blue masks that have warning labels on them anymore. They've, they've stripped the warning labels off of all of them. So if a person wanted to find a warning label now that says, does not protect against viruses, do not wear for long periods of time, et cetera, et cetera, you can't. You can't find the warning labels. I mean, that's part of the censorship too, is just flat out taking away the truth off of the actual container itself. Well, then, ladies and gentlemen, they can feed you anything at that point. Um, here's the next category, and we're getting down to the end here. Universal Health and Preparedness Review Pilot. And he summarizes that by saying that it's a collaboration with various countries to identify best practices. This is, uh, he says, this is, uh, this one is quite vague. So he says, let's keep moving. Uh, travel measures, development of a digital certificate of vaccination, which is what COVID stands for. Finally, it, he kind of lays it out there. Certificate of vaccination identification. And then the development of digital contact tracing in the international context. Global contact tracing. And then finally, don't forget equity. Uh, it says increase vaccine development, manufacturing capacity, and regulation. Initiatives to ensure people with limited means receive vaccines and other countermeasures. They will force them on you. WHO's definition of equity below, how well is this going ATM? Uh, it's, their definition is this on equity. Based on WHO's constitution, they apparently have one, Equity as a principle can be defined as the attainment by all peoples of the highest possible level of health. This was further elaborated as follows. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, based on them and what they say. The enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of health is one of the fundamental rights of every human being without distinction or race, distinction of race, religion, political belief, economic, or social condition. Wow. Then says the health of all people is fundamental to the attainment of peace and security and is dependent upon the fullest cooperation of individuals and states. See? Cooperate or else. This continues to be an or else kind of thing. Uh, the achievement of any state in the promotion of the protection of health and protection of health is of value to all. Unequal development in different countries, in the promotion of health and control of disease, especially communicable disease, is a common danger. Again, more censorship, and if you disagree with what they say, you're apparently dangerous to them. He wraps up by saying this. He says, I'm a fan of Don't Trust, Verify. In that spirit, here is a link to the Zero Draft in full on the WHO's website. It's hard to read. Don't say I didn't warn you. And I, too, will link it in the description below. He summarizes by saying this. The WHO Pandemic Treaty slash Zero Draft highlights more surveillance, more power to the WHO, more funding to the WHO, more restrictions on information, less privacy, less free speech, less personal freedom, less national sovereignty. Do one thing for me, he says. Consider the loss of civil liberties around the globe in the last couple of years. If you don't like the way that went, you really won't like where this is heading now. Time to speak up and spread the word. I agree with him. 
Again, I haven't read the entire document. I've certainly read those major points. Um, there are points that are remarkably vague, but they have to keep it vague in order to inject their, um, oh, what, whatever you would call that, their impromptu responses to particular things. I mean, they, they have to do that. There has to be some improvisation that goes on throughout, as they did, of course, throughout the last two years. Masks on, masks off, you know, masks on, masks off, back and forth, blah, 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 six feet, two masks, put pantyhose over your head, cluck like a chicken, uh, hop on one foot, stand in the circle, three feet, six feet, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, they have to make, they have to make certain points of it vague so that they can just make up things as they go along. So again, ladies and gentlemen, it's not panic propaganda. That's reality. That's an actual document. They're going to be pushing this forward in the next few days. They're going to at least vote on it in the next few days. Um, and then if whatever passes in that corrupt organization, which is a globalist organization interested in taking over America and buying off enough people in America in order to carry it out, again, that worked over the last two years, did it not? Uh, we will see what happens certainly this summer and going forward. Because some of the things that I've seen and heard and listened to, you know, the Great Reset stuff is set to kick off in September. Funny how that's when school starts. I wonder what universities are going to be doing here this coming fall. Again, a year ago in the fall, if you recall, universities forced two jabs on people within a month's time. Within one month of, of time, you had to take two jabs in a month if you hadn't taken any. Uh, if this rolls out, you can, you can kiss colleges and universities goodbye if they comply. So I agree, mass noncompliance is the way forward. But if corporations, universities, and the people that have their hands in the quote-unquote American way of life comply, then uh, buckle up. It's going to get more interesting. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. Give that document a, a look, uh, a look over if you're interested, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.